Hey, this is Christian Golden. Welcome to our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message encourages you. I hope it builds you up. Enjoy the message. So open your Bible this morning to Ephesians chapter 5 and follow along as I read. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 7 through 14. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of these things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light, for whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore... He says, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. The word translated here, uh, partakers, it implies that you have something in common. You know, like Eric and Morgan, they have something in common. They're per- they like to partake of the boat and the water and the fishing. They, they fish together. They, they have that in common. And that's a good thing, to have people that you have things in common with. But Paul's saying, don't be partakers do not be partakers with them. He's talking about the, the ungodly. Um, and, and it's often, often translated as fellowship. Don't fellowship. Or it's often translated as partnership. Christians are partakers of the things of Christ. Amen. We're partakers of the divine nature of God. We're partakers of God's promises. We're, we partake in all of Christ's sufferings. Amen. And we, His holiness. We partake in the heavenly calling. We partake in God's glory. And since we have this wonderful partnership with God, how could we ever become partners with that which belongs to sin and darkness? How could we ever join ourselves with anyone or anything that will only bring destruction? How many of us do that? Join ourselves with the unrighteousness of the flesh. How could we who have been partakers of God's goodness ever run back to that which destroys? How could you taste of God? How could you serve God and love God and turn from God and go back to wickedness? What communion has light with darkness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? Or even what partnership has light with darkness? Luke 9:62 says, no one having put his hand to the plow and turns back is fit for the kingdom of God. 2 Corinthians 6.14, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial? Or what has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of God of the living God, as God has said, I will dwell in them, I will walk among them, I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, when we see the word therefore, what do we do? Look and see what it's there for. He says, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and my daughters, says the Lord God Almighty. Unequally yoked, what does that exactly mean? What does that exactly, what does it mean to be unequally yoked? We always want to tie it in with marriage. We always want to assume it only means for marriage, but it means way more than just marriage. 
in reference to us, it's light and darkness. It's a basic principle of life that opposites cannot fellowship together. And we always hear that old adage, you know, opposites attract. Well, I don't believe that. I don't believe opposites attract. You shouldn't be marrying somebody who's opposite of you. You shouldn't marry somebody who's an unbeliever if you're a believer. You're not going to convert them. And if you have, then it's a miracle working power of God. I wouldn't advise anybody to jump and try that. The unequally yoked, it takes us back to Moses, his admonition in Leviticus 19, 19, which says, you shall keep my statutes. You shall not let your livestock breed with another kind. You shall not sow your field with mixed seed or shall a garment of mixed linen and wool come upon you. Why did Paul say that to the Corinthians church about being unequally yoked? Because the Corinthians were yoking themselves with unbelievers. They were marrying unbelievers. You look at Solomon and all of his glory, all of his splendor. He was such a powerful man, the, the richest, wisest man to ever walk the earth. And one of his downfalls was he married foreign wives. And it wasn't that he married the wives that was really the problem. The problem was that he gave in because they all served different gods than he did. So what he started doing is spending the money that God gave him, the wealth that God gave him, he was spending on building up these false temples for, for false gods for these many wives that he had. And that's what defiled so, uh, Solomon. We get unequally yoked in marriage. And they were yoking themselves and their businesses to unbelievers. We, we get off in these business uh, agreements with people that they talk good, they sound good, they got all the money, they got all the flash, they got all the new cars, and we want to start businesses with them, but they don't believe in God, and they don't worship the God that we worship. And then here you are, you have a bad, you have a bad place where normally the Christian is the one that gets the bad end of the deal. And what was happening is, here's the problem, they were losing their testimonies for Christ. When we yoke ourselves with unbelievers, we lose our testimonies for Christ. Because people aren't going to look at the Christ in you and say, oh, there's hope for this guy. They're going to look at the guy that's running amok, acting crazy, going to the clubs every weekend, and they're, and they're going to judge you by the way they're acting. Isn't that how it works? If you get a whole basket full of, of apples and you put one rotten apple in it, what happens? It turns rotten. But if you get a whole basket full of rotten apples, and you put one good apple in it, what happens? It goes rotten. It's a lose-lose situation. It's all going to be rotten. You can't be equally yoked with unbelievers. And that doesn't mean you, you hide or, or don't talk to them. We're going to get to that in a second. But they were losing their testimonies for Christ. Have you ever lost your testimony or your witness because of the people you hung around? I'm real careful at work with what I say and what I do because people watch me. I don't like it, but they do. Because as soon as you say, I'm a Christian, or I follow Jesus Christ, and everything, all eyes, all eyes are going to be on you. And they want to watch you, because what they want to do is they want to find a reason and a purpose to say, your God ain't real. So I can continue to live in the hellish way that I'm living without coming to Christ. So I don't yoke myself with them when they're at the water cooler gossiping. I don't yoke myself with them when they're looking at things on, on their computers, they shouldn't be looked at because we're upstairs. We don't even have windows upstairs. Yeah, and I tell you all that all the time. It's absolutely insane. There's about 40-some people upstairs in these cubicles. we got no windows. And when the women come upstairs, they holler, woman on deck. 
That's how bad these people are. And I can't even believe that some of them even still work there. And I'm going to let that be what it is. But I'm up there as a light. I'm up there to bring light into the darkness. All I got to do is let my light shine. I don't have to change them. It ain't up to me to change them. It's up to the Holy Spirit. Amen. If Christians live like the world, how can we witness to the world? How can you talk about Jesus if you're not living for Jesus? If we live like the world, if we look like the world, if we act like the world, how are we going to witness for Christ? Look at the series of contrasts here in 1 Corinthians, and then we'll move on. Righteousness and unrighteousness, light and darkness, Christ and Belial, which Belial is just another name uh, that in the Bible used for Satan. Believer, unbeliever, temple of God, idols. Look, the attitude of too many Christians today is that church should court and please the world in order to try to win it. We should become like the world to try to win it is what, what is being said. And I don't agree with that. We're called to be separated. We're called to be sanctified. We're called to live a holy life. We don't change our standards and our calling because somebody else don't want to believe in it. We don't change our direction. We stay where we're supposed to be going. Nothing can be further from the truth. There has to be separation from sin. It doesn't mean isolation. It doesn't mean that you go move up in the mountains and build your log cabin and you stay away from all sinners because you wouldn't be able to live with yourself because you're a sinner too and I'm a sinner. It doesn't mean isolation from unbelievers. It doesn't mean, it means you don't defile yourself with them. You don't retreat from the world. It does mean keeping yourself from the defilement of the world. It does mean that we're part, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. I'm in the world as a light, as a beacon for Jesus Christ, but I'm not of the world. I'm not partaking in the things they're partaking in. Amen? It's, a, it's fine if the, for the water, for the ship to be in the water, but when you get water in the ship, you got a problem. Okay? Keep the water out of your ship. We are children of light, and we ought to walk in the light. Jesus is, is light from the beginning. In, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was hovering over the face of the deep. And God said, verse 3, let there be light. That is the spoken word of Jesus Christ. And when you go to John 1, 1, it says, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. You skip on down to verse 14, it says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The light was from the beginning, and the light is Jesus Christ, and he is in the beginning, so that makes us children of light. Makes us children of light. Light brings life. In the natural world, when you, when you want to grow something, you put light on it. In the natural world, when you want to grow something, you put light on it. Plants need light to grow. Amen? Grass needs light to grow. Our bodies need light. We need that vitamin D. We need sunlight to grow. And the spiritually speaking, it brings good health. When you have the light that's in you. It brings pure, pureness of your heart. It brings love, but you got to have the light that's in you. Darkness produces sin and lies. Look, Satan has come to steal, kill, and destroy. And we need not sit back for any moment and think that we got this. Jesus told Peter, you stupid, stupid boy, Satan wants to sift you like wheat. 
We cannot fight this enemy on our own. But we can fight this enemy with the power of Jesus Christ because he's the light in us, fighting through us and for us. Amen? Everything that you think you've got under control, you don't. It's amazing that our alarm clocks even went off and woke us up this morning. I promise you, everything that's good in your life, everything that's holy in your life, everything that represents Jesus Christ, everything that represents unity, everything that represents life, the devil is coming and he wants to take it from you. He wants to destroy it. And if he can't, what he can't destroy, he'll confuse. Maybe he's not taking anything out of you, but maybe he's got you so confused in your mind that you don't know if you're coming or going. Am I making sense or no? Y'all are getting quiet. He's come to steal, kill, and destroy. The fruit of the light, which is a better translation of verse 9, is goodness. When you have the light in you, you, there's always, it seems like goodness follows you, doesn't it? God's mercy, God's grace, his favor is always following you everywhere you go. Your next, you don't have to see what's around the corner because you already know there's going to be something good for you. Amen? And truth. The light cannot compromise with the darkness. You understand? Light cannot compromise with the darkness. It can only expose it. John 3, 19 through 21, and this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light. And you look at the world we live in, you look at what we're even having issues right now in our government with afterbirth abortions, with child pornography. It's evil. It's pure evil. And why? Because John says, because Their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he he who does the truth, does the truth, is what it says, that comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen, that they have been done in God. Amen. Verse 8. Hold on, let me just get back. For you were once darkness... But now you are light. Amen. So what does it mean that you were once darkness, but now you are light? What does it mean? Outside of Christ, we're, we live in a darkened world. We, our understanding is darkness. Without Jesus Christ, we think like the world. We don't think like Christians. We don't think like Christ wants us to think. We think like the world thinks. The world says if somebody steals something for you, you retaliate. We don't retaliate. The world says if somebody hurts you, you hurt them back. But with our understanding is flawed in the darkness without Christ. Outside of Christ, we're alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in us. Because we're all ignorant without Christ. We're of the world. Without Christ, we don't understand. We don't know what, which path to be on. We just do whatever we want. We do what our flesh wants us to do. And we, we head out. But without Christ, we're ignorant. Outside of Christ, we are hardened in our heart. We cannot receive the things of the Spirit of God. Neither can we know them. Outside of Christ, our hearts is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. The entire moral and intellectual nature of unredeemed man is corrupted by sin. I copied that from somebody, by the way. I don't talk like that. But it sounded good. I'll I'll say it again. The entire moral and intellectual nature of unredeemed man is corrupted by sin. The outward life of unredeemed men is vile and detestable. Outside of Christ, we are slaves of sin. We are 
or nature, our nature, we're children of wrath. Outside of Christ's saving power, we are dead through the trespasses and sins. The old man, one of my favorite verses, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ Jesus, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things become new. That old man is vile. It's wretched. It's decrepit. Everything that's bad and unholy, that old man wants to do. That old man wants to be a part of. But now we're in Christ. Those old desires, those old habits, they just creep up on you all the time. Them, Them old flames, them old sins that we used to commit. That was who we were before Jesus. When I'm sharing my testimony to people or I'm, talk, or I'm sharing stories, I always give that um, fine print. I'll say, that was pre-Jesus or this was post-Jesus. <laughs> this was before I was a Christian. This is after I was a Christian. Because I don't want them to get mixed up that I'm trying to glorify my past because I don't. So many times we share a testimony and we talk for an hour and a half about how grand and wild our life was. And then we say, but Jesus saved me. Okay, well, you just glorified your whole past. I'm going to go to the nightclub. It sounds so good. We, who are we glorifying more? Amen? That's who we were. That's who we are before Christ. Now, verse 8 also says, but now you are light. Let's talk about the light that is in you. When you get saved, you're, 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 you're flooded with this amazing light. And this light is called Jesus Christ. It's the Holy Spirit that lives in you. And then all of a sudden, things start changing. I tell people all the time, don't worry about yesterday. You can't change it. Don't worry about tomorrow. You can't see it. Live for now. When the Holy Spirit and the light comes in you, it causes you to live for the moment. You live in who you are. You live with what God has called you. Use what's in your hand. Walk where he tells you to walk. You can't change the past, but you can rewrite the future. Amen? The light that is in you is greater than the darkness around you. The light that goes before you. There's a light that goes before us. You may not see it. You may not understand it. But you look at the children of Israel. There was a pillar of fire at night that led them everywhere they went. We have that light. We have that fire. And it may not be a physical fire, but it's the fire called the Holy Spirit. Because remember, in in the book of Acts, when the Holy Spirit fell, it fell like fire. That's the light that we follow in our spirit. We follow that light, and it goes before us. It tells us where we need to go. It tells us who we need to talk to. Tells you to turn right. Tells you to turn left. But also, the light that the light that is inside you will guide you. And there's a light that shines around you. You remember the Apostle Paul in Acts nine three. He was on his way. He had done went to the. Sanhedrin. He went and got letters to go to Damascus. And that if he found anybody there that was of the way, that's where that comes from, serving Christ, believing in Jesus, that he had written letters from, from the top officials that he could put him in prison and throw him in jail and torture him if he wanted to, probably even kill him if he wanted to. And he was on his way. And guess what? Jesus happened. The light shined around him. And it's amazing that Paul's response was, who are you, Lord? When the light invades you, you've got no choice but to call him Lord. Because every every bit of darkness that was in Paul had to flee. And every bit of darkness in us has to flee when we ask the light to come in us. Psalms. uh, Paul says, I mean, Psalmist says in Psalms 119, 101, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light unto my path. Your word. Jesus is the word. So what he's saying is Jesus is the lamp to my feet. 
Jesus is the light to my path, but so many of us are in darkness because we don't read God's word, so we don't have that light. We've got a form of godliness, but we lack that thereof. We have an idea of who Christ is. We have an idea of what the Bible says, but we don't spend time in the word, so we're not, we don't have fellowship with that light. Amen? His word is alive. It's moving. It will divide the marrow from the bones. It will separate the darkness from the light. Amen? The light that the light will show you where you're going. That's the purpose of the light. The lamp is Christ in me. And if he is in me and I am in him, then who am I in Christ? I'm a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17. I am God's righteousness. I am delivered. I am healed. I am made whole. I am the head and I'm not the tail. I'm the first and I'm not the last. That's who I am in Christ. I am more than a conqueror. I am dead to sin. I no longer have to be slaves to that which kept me bound. Now I'm free. I can walk in freedom. I don't have to be bound up with these addictions, with these hang-ups. I don't have to be broken. I don't have to be busted anymore because I'm all, I'm made new because of what? The light that is in you, the light that is in me. I am healed of the Lord. I am an heir and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. And I am seated with him on the throne. Deuteronomy 28, 13. One John four four, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Do we really believe that? Do we really believe that the God we serve that died on the cross for us is greater in us than everything that is surrounding us? Because a lot of times we don't act like it. A lot of times the things that we say contradicts the things the things that we believe contradicts the things that we say. We say we believe in Jesus. We say we're trusting in you. We say we're believing in healing. But then we go home and we sulk in the misery. Then we go home and we don't believe what we're saying. Am I the only one that does that? You are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he that is in the world. I wish we could just take some time and do a research in, in God's word about how powerful Christ is and what he has done for us and start walking in that. Just because we see it with our physical eyes doesn't mean it's real. We got to see with our spiritual eyes. One of the things I pray for every single day is for God to give me a spiritual vision. Give me spiritual eyes. Let me see things the way you see things. If we can see things how God sees them, I'm not there by the way, I'm getting there. But if I could see how Christ sees, could you imagine what we could do if we could see the angels, the legions of angels that are there surrounding the enemies? How much bolder, how much fight would we stand for if we knew, if we could see that? I wish, Lord, just show them. (laughs) Show them. Could you just imagine? He's greater in us. Verse 10. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. How do you do this? How do you find out or know if what you're doing is acceptable to the Lord? I'm going to tell you one thing you don't do. I hear it all the time. Do not follow your heart. Do not follow your heart. Genesis 6, 3 and 4. God said the intentions of our heart was so evil that he was sorry that he made us. Why would you want to follow that? And that he himself was grieved in his spirit, in his heart. Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and so desperately wicked. Who can know it? 
The Lord searched the heart. I test the mind, even to the give every man according to his ways, according to the fruits of his doings. And I don't have time to unpack all that because there's a whole mouthful there. But I, will, I do want to say, we'll get to it another day. But I do want to say this. The heart is deceitful above all things. You cannot follow your heart. The heart, my heart, will tell me to eat the fruit that I don't need to be eating. Just like Eve's heart told her to go ahead and eat the fruit that she shouldn't have ate. My heart will let me do that which is forget, forbidden in my marriage. My heart will lead me down the path of unrighteousness. My desires, my hopes outside of Christ will lead me to a place that I don't know if I could ever get back. Don't follow your heart. My heart will cause me to fear. My heart will cause me to lie. My heart will cause me to hate. When people say things about me, when people say things about you, the first thing you want to do is let your heart get involved because we're emotional people. And so many times we think with our emotions and not with our spiritual eyes. Don't follow your heart. Don't follow your heart. So how do we find out what is acceptable to the Lord? Here's my, um, my soapbox on how simple the gospel is. I say it every Sunday. The gospel is simple. This is my speech for today. Y'all ready? The gospel is so simple. So how do you find out what is acceptable to the Lord? Y'all ready? It's this simple. It's going to blow your mind. If you take notes, I want you to write it down. You simply ask him. Now, isn't that simple? That is so simple. God, is this acceptable to you? And sometimes if you got the light in you, you're going to know what's right and what's wrong. You shouldn't have to ask about that. You shouldn't have to ask if it's okay to steal something somebody's food out of the refrigerator that's got their name on it at work, and you know it ain't yours, but you're hungry. You know that's wrong. Why would you even pray about it? I'm not saying I've ever done that. I'm just saying there was a time when I was hungry, and I didn't have no money. And uh, don't judge me. If you ain't ever ate a, a nasty, cold tuna sandwich, it'd probably been in there for three days, okay? I paid for it. I shouldn't have ate it. I'm sorry. Forgive me, Lord. Goodness. Y'all, don't, y'all are judging me. Look at y'all. <laughs> All you have to do is ask him. The gospel's simple. Isn't the gospel simple? And guess what? He'll show you. The problem is that we wait to ask God after the fact. I started my electrical business in 2017. I went out and I studied for nine months, got my master's license, failed the test twice, Second time I was coming home, I called Wade, I'm done, (laughs) or texted him, and he said, "Uh, I think you need to slow down, (laughs) relax. Was it the second time, Wade? It was the second time. He said, just be patient. You've come this long. You've studied all this time. Try it again. And I get home. I tell my wife, I'm done. I ain't doing this anymore. This just ain't meant to be. She said, I think you should try it one more time. I said, okay, fine whatever, but I'm not studying. <laughs> I didn't, did I? Threw my code book on the shelf and said, I'm, I'm done, whatever. I'll go take it, I don't care. And I went and I took it and I made a 76. <laughs> didn't even study, but I studied for nine months, but I passed it and I was so, I was so nervous. But anyways, I took that as a sign. I didn't ask God, but I took that as a sign that I was supposed to start my electrical business. So I started Crest Electric. I started flyers, spent about, you know, almost $6,000 on all the decals on my trucks, business cards, accounts, credit cards. I mean, I was rolling and going. I was working 
every week, wasn't a babe, every night, every Friday, every Saturday, I was still trying to teach men's group, and I was sitting there at the table one day, and I said, I'm exhausted, babe. What is going on? And, she, and this is what my wife told me. And it hurt me, because I always promised I would never be that guy. You remember? You said your kids are only little ones. And man, that jerked me up, body slammed me. And I felt so guilty for neglecting my kids. I felt so guilty that I was so busy trying to chase my dreams. All I had to do was ask God. That's great. I don't, I've got a master's license. I don't even use it. I will one day. It's part of my retirement. It's my plan. <laughs> Waiting for the Lord to move. I've done my part, Lord. You need to do yours. Um, I didn't ask. It cost me a lot of money. It cost me a lot of missed time with my family. Now, me and Daryl had a great relationship because he helped me all the time. <laughs> but it was strained at home. My kids were doing without. And then I realized it wasn't that important. So that, that moment, I sat at the table and I said, okay, I'm done. Didn't I? I went outside right then, started peeling decals off my truck. said, I'm done, Lord. Closed out the jobs that I had started. For, forgive me, Lord. And that's what God told me. Why didn't you just ask me? Why didn't you just ask me? And you know, the devil will put something out there, he'll put this bait out there and make you think you're doing good because you're prospering. And I'm not bragging, but I had thousands of dollars in my pocket all the time. I was working, I was making money hand over fist in my business, plus my job. It was nice to go and buy whatever you wanted, but it cost you. It cost me something. Like I said, for not asking God, it cost me missed time with my children. That, those four months, I couldn't tell you one thing to this day that my kids were involved with. I was so busy. The problem is we don't ask God. We want God to bless things after the fact that we've, do, that we've done it. And we wait to ask God until after we've done what we're supposed to be doing. And another thing, we wait until she is pregnant to ask God, is she the one? Now, come on, boy. I mean, you've already crossed that line. What's the problem? Why would you? Now you've, you've done made covenant. Okay, now you're in it. You shouldn't have to ask God if she's the one. Now she is the one. Get on with it. Amen. Are you wait to, to <laughs> come on. Are you waiting until he got you pregnant and ask God, is he the one? He is the one now. Just saying. My answer would be, you already made covenant. So why are you asking God? What you need to be asking is forgive me, Lord, for getting involved in something that I should have never gotten involved with. Forgive me, God, for putting my desires and my hopes and my heart into somebody else's hands. Forgive me, Father. If you could slow down, and one of the things that Wade tells me all the time, and I don't mean to keep talking about you, is slow your roll. <laughs> Wade tells me all the time, slow your roll. I'll text him this 5,000-word text message about something that I'm fired up about, and he'll just say, slow down. <laughs> slow your roll. And he's right. Slow down and pray. God is faithful and he'll answer you. Can I give you one more example of the gospel is simple? One more example. Galatians 5.22. It says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are the fruits of the spirit. That is simple gospel. If we carry those things with us in everything that we do, won't your life be that much better if you walk in goodness, if you walk in faithfulness, 
especially if you walk in self-control. A lot of times it's self-control that brings all this wrath upon us because we get involved in things we don't need to get involved. And it's not just temptations outside of the covenant of of the marriage. It's with food. Sometimes we overeat. Sometimes we spend too much time watching TV. Sometimes we spend too much time talking to other people about how bad our spouse is instead of talking to somebody and building them up. That got quiet. Don't be elbowing your spouse in here. I don't want nobody going home and getting in a fight. Can we walk in the fruits of the Spirit? Not just at church. Can we do it at home? Can we do it at work? When you walk in the fruits of the Spirit, people want to be around you because you're a joyful person. You don't even have to talk about Jesus Christ. All you have to do is walk in the fruits of the Spirit, especially the... I don't know how you women do things, but the men, when you're around with other, other men and you're at places you probably can be at legally, but then you see some things you shouldn't be seeing, you got to exercise self-control. Sometimes just exercising self-control will share more about your life than any words you will ever say. Walk in the fruits of the Spirit. Verse 11. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. So what does that mean? What ex- what, it means exactly what it says. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. Don't fellowship with people that are out there sinning, living a sinful life. That's different from reaching out to share the gospel. There's another di- a fine line between hanging out and being part of what they're a part of. It's as simple as it gets. Amen? It's as simple as it gets. You don't talk to it. You don't think about it. You don't whisper in its ear. You don't send it a text message. You don't walk by it. You don't even look at it. You don't watch it on TV. You don't listen to it on the radio. You don't fight with it. And you don't even be around it. You cannot fellowship all day with darkness and think that it won't affect you. If you hang out at a bar long enough, what's going to happen? You'll probably drink a beer. If you hang out at a barbershop long enough, you're going to get a haircut. And some of y'all need haircuts today. I'm not mentioning any names, but looking at one of them right now. <laughs> Eric. Okay, I'll just say it. Eric, okay? You're looking a little shaggy, brother. So I mean to call you out. I love you, but come on. I mean, enough is enough already. We've already got one wolf, man. We don't need another. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just playing. Just got off topic. Forgive me, Lord. Um, he exposed the darkness. If you, if you hang out long enough at a barbershop, you'll get a haircut. Have no fellowship with darkness. Now, verse 11 continued. It says, but rather expose the darkness. So how do we expose the darkness? How do we expose the darkness? By walking in the light. And you go back to verse 8. It says, walk in the light. Amen? That's how you expose the darkness. It's not your job to point out everything wrong in the world. So many times we have a big voice on little things that really don't even matter, but we have a little voice on the big things that really make a difference. And I've watched so many people uh, on Facebook talk about this group called Bethel. Have you heard of Bethel? I like Bethel. We went to their concert. I think it's great. And the problem is they're saying that they're all these false teachers and that they're evil because they may have donated money to an organization that 
kind of reaches out to people, but kind of doesn't. But that doesn't make them evil. Paul Golden used to always tell us, don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. You find out what's good in them, okay? It is not, you're not called to expose the darkness. Listen to what I'm saying. The Holy Spirit in you will expose the darkness, okay? Quit talking bad about other people. Quit talking bad about other organizations that are serving God when we're not even serving God, and these people are trying. It's not your job to point everything out. We spend every waking moment calling out God's children and calling them false. None of us are perfect. We, we spend every waking moment calling out God's children, and, and none of us are perfect. And maybe they did say some things that were a little bit off. It doesn't mean everything they say is bad. Have you ever said something that was off? Have you ever said something that was a little bit off kilter, maybe didn't line up with God's word and you realize it later? How would you feel if somebody cast you out or Facebook that you were false? What are we doing, guys? We're so busy calling other people out, trying to prove that we're right in all this that we forget to love. Just that simple. The gospel is simple. You don't have to expose it. God's going to expose it. If it ain't of God, it'll fall by the wayside, just like everything else is falling by the wayside. Let, let God do what God does. Brother Danny, all the time, he says, if we could just get out of the way, let God do what he does. We post about unity, but our words are causing division. Where was the outrage on same-sex marriage? Where was the outrage on after-birth abortion? I, haven't, I didn't hear none of it. What have we become as a society, as a nation, as a country, that we are fighting over whether it's legal to kill a baby after they're born? Are we really at this place in this country? How is it even an issue? Furthermore, why is it even an issue? It was once uh, a poll put out. I don't remember who put it out. But it was said that if every born-again, believing, God-fearing Christian in this country would let our voices be heard, all this debauchery stuff will go fall by the wayside but we don't let our voice be heard. We want to cry out about a music band and not cry out about all the unborn that's being slaughtered. What is wrong with us? Where is the outrage of our children being taught about transgenderism? Not one word. Not one word. Everyone has a voice. Everyone has a voice. Where is our voice in all this? I want you to listen closely. You don't hear nothing else I say. Listen with your ears. Listen with your spiritual ears. God did not appoint you or anoint you or proclaim you to run around trying to expose sin in other people's lives. Just stop. And if you're doing it, I'm going to tell you right now, you're deceived. You're deceived. We've had some good friends fall by the wayside because they've taken this position that their job, that God anointed them to call out everybody else's sin and to call false things that are false. That's not so. Satan's got you so busy fighting over nonsense that you have become an ineffective Christian. And what happens to ineffective Christians? We're ineffective. We got no rewards when we get to heaven. Matthew 28, 19 and 20 doesn't say go into all the world accusing people of wrong, putting your finger, pointing your finger at them, calling them false teachers. That's not what Matthew 28, 19 and 20 says. No, it says go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe 
all things that I have commanded you. And here's the greatest part. He says, I am with you. You can't tell me God is with you when you're running around calling people out. Listen, we got to seek first to understand, then to be understood. We no longer listen to understand. That's the problem. We no longer listen to understand what somebody's saying. We listen so we can give a response. See, I realized that the whole time I was starting my business, that my wife was telling me, it's going to take up your time. It's going to take up your time. What about me? What about the kids? But I didn't listen. I listened to respond. I didn't listen to understand. James 1.19 says, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. If we could get this one principle in our life and get it down, we'll be some very effective, powerful Christians. Be slow to speak. Be slow to speak. Now, back to my question. How do we expose the darkness? We're going to... How do we expose the darkness? When you walk into a room that is completely black, the first thing you do is what? You turn on the light switch. And when you flip on the light switch, the darkness has to flee. So I want everybody to sit still for one second. Paul, can you turn all the lights off? Okay. All the lights, except for my tablet. See how dark it is? Okay, turn them back on. Now, I want you to do another, another illustration I want you to do, okay? Can you turn on, without turning off the light, can you turn on darkness? Go ahead. We'll wait for you. Turn it on. You can't. You cannot turn on darkness. Darkness is only present when light is absent, okay? Y'all get that? Darkness is only present when light is absent. You can't turn on darkness. The darkness can't invade the light, but the light can invade the darkness. So what's my point? You expose the works of darkness by letting the light inside of you shine. Amen? Say it with me. Shine. When the enemy attacks you. When Satan attacks you. When your finances fail you. When your marriage fails you. When your kids are acting up. When you're broke, busted, and disgusted. And all things we're gonna what? Shine. For who? For Jesus. Hey, this is Christian Golden. I wanted to thank you so much for joining us today and listening to our podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, I'd like to ask you to do a couple things for us. The first is to subscribe to our podcast so you can stay up to date with everything going on here at LCC. Also, you can help us reach others around the world by investing today at lightchristiancenter.com slash give. Thank you so much for joining us. God bless you and have a great day.